Just a quick little note from me before we begin. Um, we did record this podcast over Zoom, so the sound quality is not great. So we apologize for that, but we do hope you enjoyed the episode anyway. Hi, I'm Ruby. And I'm Rachel. And this is our podcast, Quarter Life Crisis. This week, we're going to be talking about birth control. It can be a hard pill to swallow, but for most of us in our 20s, birth control is a bloody big issue. Very funny. Let's get into it. (laughs) Alrighty, so starting off the episode as usual with our crisis and our win of the week, what do you got for me this week, Rach? So my crisis is Tom, my partner, is going away all week next week for work, which is great for him. He'll get to have lots of fancy dinners in Sydney and do activities all week. But I'm going to be stuck here by myself because it's just me and him who live here. And I'm kind of like, what am I going to do? (laughs) Being like alone for a week. So, yeah, I'm trying to like fill my week with some plans. Yeah. But like maybe it won't be too big of an issue. But I don't know. It was a bit of like when he told me he's going away for a week, I was a bit shocked. Um, like selfishly so I don't know how people do it whose partners go away for like months at a time I guess it's because like he gets so used to being around him all the time so then when he goes away for a whole week it feels like a long time yeah especially in the house um I don't know what it'll be like it'll be quiet but maybe I'll like have my girly music blasting or something hell yeah you know what you should do while he's away buy a cat what? and then you'll have someone to hang out with and then when he gets back you'll be like surprise we have a cat <laughs> <laughs> no we're getting the cat after we go to japan oh okay wait when's that in april oh exciting then to get the cat but my win is that i have a couple wins i started my new job this week so Woo. i'm on yeah i'm on day two so far and it's pretty pretty good Lots of new things to learn because it's like a new industry for me. I've gone client side, which is a pretty big change going from agency to client side. But, um, yeah, I've got a good feeling about it and I just, like, really want to succeed um, given what happened at my old job. And my other wins that I'm going to Canberra this weekend, which I'm actually quite excited about. I feel like it'll be fun. It'll be random. <laughs> I'm literally not going for any particular purpose other than to – accompany my family on the university tour and that's it but it should be vibe no it sounds fun what about you um my crisis a week I guess it's like a little bit of an ongoing thing but I just feel like I've been feeling it a little bit more recently but I think just like having imposter syndrome working for myself I feel like I've had clients be like oh like keep telling me like oh you're the expert like you just tell us what to do or like oh um like can you do this like really specific thing? And I'm like, oh, I actually don't know how to do that. But like they assume that I can. So I'll just say that I can and wing it. And like, you know, you can Google everything. But um, yeah, just a little bit of imposter syndrome, just like with people assuming that I'm more skilled than I am. Well, obviously that's me thinking that I'm not as skilled as they think I am. But yeah, it's a bit stressful because obviously I've only been doing this for like eight, nine months. And, like, I still learn, like, so much, like, every single day. So, I don't know. It's just a bit, just feeling a little bit at the moment. But that's all right. Um, but on that note, my win of the week is that I actually got a job. Um, so, 
I've been looking for a part-time job for a little while now just to go with my freelancing um, because I'm still loving my freelancing, but I kind of miss having colleagues sometimes. I kind of weirdly miss having a commute, which I know is really weird, but like an excuse to get out of the house. Um, I don't mind being at home, working at home, but like I just feel like it's a nice excuse. And then also just like a consistent paycheck every week will be nice as well because obviously freelancing, my paychecks are all over the place. So, um, yeah, I got a job. So it's just two days a week. Um, It's not that far from my house. It's a local council job. Um, so yeah, it's not too far of a commute. Um, the, like the people that interviewed me that are on the team seem really nice. Um, and then, yeah, it's like super flexible as well. Like with what days I can do. So obviously I can move it around based on like my freelancing work and everything. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited about it. I, yeah, I was, I actually got offered the job last week, but I was waiting to hear back about another job as well. So I was kind of like putting it off, but, um, but yeah, now I've officially accepted this job. So exciting. So this week we're talking about birth control and any sort of birth control related crises we've experienced. Ruby has some statistics for us. I so- sure do. Um, yeah, so looking at stats online, I yeah, I never really thought about these kind of stats, but they're like relatively interesting. Um, apparently four out of five Australian women report having ever use contraception and two-thirds report currently using contraception so like a fair amount of Australian women are using it um which I guess makes sense um but but like apparently despite widespread use of contraception there's actually like really not much research on it um when I was trying to like look up these stats all that came up was like really scientific uni like thesis papers or whatever you call them um, <laughs> scientific journals yeah that, that that stuff it, there wasn't like any like easy to comprehend websites I had to, like read yeah like mm. uni articles i was like ew I, I used to hate reading like doing readings in uni so doing that was like ew but yeah basically i i found two reports slash studies from 2020 but there's like not a lot online about it even just like basic stats about how many women use it um but yeah, the other study said most Australian women, 81%, age 16 to 49, use some form of contraception. Um, so, yeah, 81%, that's, like, a massive amount. And the fact that there's not much research about it is kind of ridiculous. But we'll get more into that later. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I guess, Rach, what are your experiences with birth control been like? Yeah, well, I definitely think this comes under the quarter-life crisis umbrella because I've sort of on on and off again in my life like thought about birth control and how it affects me definitely same yeah the two main so I've been on the pill since I was maybe 15 or something um primarily because I had nasty periods yeah (laughs) um like really painful just heavy like not a good time um I would also get like really depressed before my periods (laughs) Um, and for me, I'm really lucky where the pill pretty much stops that. So when I've, I mean, we could talk about later on, like coming off it, coming on it, but Mm. yeah, I've had pretty good success with the pill, but I do, I do worry about two major factors, which I wish there was more research on, because it just seems to be like people's experiences, but there's not. For me, I've worried it's affected my weight. Um, Mm. I pretty much have had issues with my body and my weight my whole life. So given that some people say, oh, the pill makes you gain weight or being off the pill makes you gain weight or lose weight, that's something that's really, like, 
affected me. Um, and another thing is another thing I've dealt with my whole life, mental health. Um, yeah, because people, you know, you'll hear stories of people saying, oh, the pill made me crazy or made me really depressed. And that's kind of like, I'm like, oh, is this exacerbating existing issues? I don't know. It's really hard to tell. Um, there's no clear-cut answer. So, yeah, I feel like that kind of spirals and creates a crisis in itself of, like, am I doing what, like, just because I've fixed my menstrual issues, am I making the other issues I have worse? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very tricky. Um, have you ever been on any other form of contraception? No, because I had such success with the pill, I know. Yeah. Like, have you ever thought about I changing? I think I had one. No, I had a doctor suggest something else, but that was kind of like, I mean, not to be TMI, but basically when I'm on, I'm on Levlin, which I've been on pretty much, what, 10 years, my periods do not affect me whatsoever. Yeah. No pain, barely any mood, maybe mood change, but not, doesn't affect me. Yeah. So why would I change it to have like an invasive procedure done? Because the other yeah. option seems to be quite invasive. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, no, I haven't considered anything else. I haven't needed to. Very luckily, yeah. Yeah. But then the other point is that, like, for me, being on the pill is primarily because of my uh, menstrual cycle rather than reproductive health, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I feel like definitely people are on it for different reasons. Um, But, it, like, a mm. lot of women that I've heard of are on it just for the fact that it helps them control their period and makes their periods like less intense and less like hurt less and stuff so yeah it is interesting that um i wonder what percent of women are on it for that reason compared to birth control like actually yeah like reproductive birth control yeah because there's other ways you can manage that definitely right like condoms other things (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah so i i've been on the pill since i was 18 like on and off um, but the actual, the first contraception I actually got was the rod in my arm. Um, so I'm, I, I can't really remember exactly, but I must've gone to the doctor and asked for something. And initially it was to help me control my periods. Cause same thing. I had really long, heavy periods that were like way more, like every three weeks compared to every month. So it was horrible. Um, and so I was like, I want to change this. So yeah, I went to the doctor and they recommended the bar in my arm and it was a nightmare. Wow. I think I had my period for Oh, I was going to say, I can't believe that was the first thing they recommended. Yeah, I can't remember why. And obviously I was 18 and I didn't know anything about birth control. I didn't talk to my, I don't think I talked to like my mum about it before I went on it. I'm the oldest of my siblings. So oh. like, no, I, I, I don't think I talked about anyone about it. Like, I don't, like maybe some of my friends had it. That might've been something, but I actually can't remember. And like, maybe that's why I thought it was good. So yeah, anyway, I got it. Um, it was like really whack in my arm. Like the way it felt was so weird. I've still got the scar. But yeah, basically it made me have my period for like a month straight, like really heavy. It was cooked. So then I went back to the doctor and she was like, oh, just go on the pill to like fix it up. But if I even missed it by like an hour late, my period would start again. And I was like, all right, get this thing out of me. So I got the bar removed. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how long I had it in for. Not very long, a couple months maybe. And yeah, I've been on the pill ever since, like on and off. Um, and it seems to have worked, yeah, fine for me. Um, I don't really notice a difference being on it and off it because occasionally I'll go off it for like a month or so. Um, but yeah, I haven't really noticed any difference. But like you said before, like it's really hard to know because sometimes I'm like, I will have like worse mental health than other times, but I'm like, I don't know if this is to do with the pill or not. And like, 
like my moodiness and stuff I'm like I don't know if I'm just a naturally moody person or if it's a pill I don't know (laughs) um I think I'm just naturally moody so anyway but um yeah I think it's been really interesting but also something that I've been thinking um a lot about yeah in my mid-20s I feel like quarter life crisis vibes I'm like I have been on it for a long time and there's yeah there's not a lot of research done so it's kind of like I do wonder what it is doing to my body I can't I trust science but also there's just not enough like research done about women's health hell so who knows um I was considering getting the IUD but I think it's there's been like a lot of discussion of late about how painful women have found it and they've done like pain tests on women getting the IUD in and it's like fucked um so I was considering that but I'm like I don't want to do it like if it's gonna be painful I know you can be put under to get it in but that costs way more money and yes I'm like look the pill works for me I'm just gonna keep been on the pill for now I think but it's just so hard to know like you know obviously every woman woman every woman has a different experience with birth control right so like what works for one person will not work for another and so it's so hard to know but yeah I have been thinking about it at the moment I'm like considering changing but it just I just don't really know what the other options are and I guess I'm like well it's working now so I may as well just stick with it but yeah I don't know it's a tricky thing to think about especially as yeah obviously as a woman it's something that we have to think about yeah so you just went into the doctor, like you didn't tell your parents or anything? Um, Like maybe, maybe my mum. I can't remember. Maybe not. I didn't really talk to her about these things. Because my mum took me into the doctor. Yeah. She well, said, was, you should try this out. I was 18, so. Yeah. Well, I was, yeah, what, 50. I remember she was in the room and it was really awkward because the doctor, like, asked you about sex and stuff with your mum in the room. But I was like. 15 you know playing Pokemon and <laughs> yeah really not my <laughs> not something I was interested in yeah, or had yeah. any access to at my all-girls school <laughs> wasn't really much of a risk so yeah we've been thinking about some sort of discussion questions about birth control and one of the ones I'd come up with so something for us to talk about is how has birth control affected you mentally and physically yeah, well, I feel like we kind of touched on this before, but, yeah, I actually haven't had any massive side effects from the pill that I've, like, noticed. Like, mentally, I don't think my mental health is, like, connected to the pill as far as I'm aware. Like, when I go off it, I don't notice anything that different. Um, but also, like, I have just been on it for so long, like, I don't actually know, which I think is kind of weird, right? Like, I feel like I – but I'm also not very in touch with, like, myself you know like a doctor asks you a question like oh like what have you noticed about this thing or whatever I'm like I don't know like what they're like oh what's changed I'm not I'm just not really attentive to myself and my body I guess but as far as I'm aware it doesn't affect me and physically um not like nothing not like nothing huge like um yeah not that I can tell really so yeah but I know like obviously for a lot of people it can be massively impactful in both like mentally and physically but I yeah I have gotten really lucky with that I think what about you Rach? Yeah I feel like my worst like mental and physical effects have been not taking the pill like I think back to when I was like maybe 14 and or maybe younger or older whenever just before I went on the pill and just being like leading up to my period so low and just like full of despair and this like horrible sense of like everything was going wrong and like 
borderline suicidal thoughts, I would experience mm-hmm. that monthly. Um, which I've looked it up later is like an actual thing of like premenstrual disorder or something. So I probably had that. <laughs> um, but of course I was like a kid. I didn't really tell anyone. Um, and I wasn't aware, like, you know, cause you're like a teenager. Um, the pill pretty much stopped that, which is nice. Um, yeah. and yeah, physically, cause I would just get like really bad cramps and stuff. I don't have that anymore. But, um, yeah, I mean, you do wonder like, is it, cause there is, uh, people have discovered they've had like issues like PCOS or endometriosis have been masked by taking the pill. Mm. Um, I don't think, I mean, I've, I've like asked doctors here and there if I have them and I don't think so, but. No, I found out the other day, apparently um, like endometriosis on average takes seven to 10 years to diagnose. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I don't think my pain was at that level. Like I wasn't missing class or anything yeah but it was like it was basically I would get like in so much pain I would have to just lie still for a few hours and take neurofen but then it would go away after a few hours but it's still so bad that I feel like society just expects women to just get on with it even though so many women have like debilitating issues because of menstruation and like we are really lucky that the pill does help with a lot of that but also I feel like yeah, we still don't know so much about, like, the pill and don't have that many options, and they do come with so many side effects. It's like, I like, recently there was, like, that study done on male birth control and they had to stop it because they were like, there's too many side effects. They got all moody and had headaches and cramps and shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's what women get. Why Why is that something that stops this test? Like, why aren't you working harder on making stuff for women that don't have awful side effects? It's so stupid. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I'm sure I've had, like, side effects, like you say, not being aware of, like, bodily changes and stuff. Like, I probably I probably did have headaches. I don't know. Maybe I just got used to it. Like, I wouldn't know. But I'm just, like, I don't want to go off it. I went off it, like, briefly in, like, COVID. But then I just, like, got dodgy periods again. And I was just, yeah. like, I can't be bothered dealing with this. And for me, taking a pill every morning is absolutely fine. It doesn't really bother me. Oh, that's another question. Do you take your pill in the morning or at night? Yeah, in the morning. I find people who take it at night so rogue. It is a bit rogue. I'm like, surely you're out. Like, I feel like people take it at night, they have it in their wallet normally. And they're just like, if I'm out to dinner with someone, they're just like taking their pill. And I'm like, you do you, but I would just like forget. And like, I would probably see the reminder on my phone and then be like, oh, I'm doing something right now. And then just forget. Like at the moment I just wake up and then I just take it first thing. Yeah, I'm pretty inconsistent with the time I take it. Me too. I'm not great. And also, like, I no. sometimes get to, like, tick it off on my reminder list and then I'll see it later in the day and I'm like, did I take it? I can't remember. So definitely have been days where I've taken it twice because I can't remember. <laughs> but I don't think it matters that much. Oh, I remember doing that where I'd miss a day and then take two the next day. Um, <laughs> I don't think I- that changed anything. <laughs> Um, I also feel like a lot of women use the pill to skip their periods. Um, I don't like on other birth control, I know that it makes like periods lighter and less frequent or whatever, depending on the person, but um, how on the pill you actually can like make the decision to skip your period. Like I only have my period once every three or four months because I skip it on the pill, which I love. But, um, and the doctor said that that's fine to me, but my mum always yells at me. She's like, that's bad for you. And I'm like, what do you know? <laughs> No, I, I don't think it is. I just don't because if I skip it, it, like, doubles down the next month. I don't know why. That's so annoying. 
Yeah, I've got no clue why. It's almost like a backlog. <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't skip it. I mean, yeah. I've skipped it if I'm, like, had to for whatever reason, like, travel and that's not had to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I think if you're on, like, the rod or something or those IEDs, you just, like, never get it. Well, I th- no, I think it depends on the person. Like, I've, like, heard doctors say, like, oh, like, it can just make it a lot lighter and shorter or you'll only have it once in a blue moon or like, yeah, for some people it does stop altogether, but it sounds like it's different for everyone. Obviously when I had the road, it did the opposite and gave it to me permanently. So <laughs> very hard mm. to know. Um, I also think it's interesting how people decide which birth control to go on because obviously going to the doctor is like the obvious thing, but also like I think a lot of people would be influenced by what their friends and maybe like their family is doing. Like if you've got an older sibling who like is on it for whatever reason like you you might be like oh I'm just going to do the same as them and just kind of like not really assess your other options or yeah I assume I went on the road because I'd heard other friends that went on it I can't remember but I know I've had a lot of friends who've gone on the IUD because their other friends have been on it so I do find it interesting um and I also wonder how many people make their decision by just like doing their own research online yeah I've definitely done that like looked at subreddits and things like that but I think that can be a pretty bad route to go down because people tend to only post about their negative experiences like if you've had like a neutral experience you're probably not going to go online and talk about it but then people talk about all these like horrible experiences they've had on medication and then for someone like me who's like got like health anxiety I just completely spiral yeah exactly like I'll look at someone being like, I took the pill and then I was made infertile and then I'll just be like, that's going to happen to me. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people would find out their information from online though, which is kind of scary because it's like, you know, so many people these days do just Google when they've got something wrong with them and often it tells them (laughs) really just like bad things. So, but yeah, also like it's hard. It can be hard to trust doctors in this scenario because I have had bad experiences with doctors giving me, yeah, like the wrong advice and, things not working and I'm just like I don't know like it is really hard to know like what to do but I think it's a bit of trial and error really for birth control stuff yeah yeah definitely is yeah I hate going in a GP because like you gotta go in and see them and wait and they mm. take ages now and you have to pay I know and sometimes they, I swear they just like google it themselves you're like what the hell am I doing here yeah I don't know um but yeah no it does it also makes me yeah, really annoyed that like birth control still seems to be really like underdeveloped under researched and yeah doctors don't really know like a lot about it like yeah I feel like the advice that they give does de- like sometimes they just get it online because they uh, don't know enough about it like didn't learn enough about it or I don't know but yeah it's tricky yeah it's so ambiguous which is yeah it seems a bit ridiculous because like if you have an infection you take antibiotics and it's fixed yeah. Why is there no such thing for pain? Like, I guess there's ibuprofen. But still, like, but debilitating pain for endometriosis, like, I don't think there's, like, I know you can get more intense painkillers, but still, like, that, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, the... um, Codeine. Yeah, that the Nurofen mixed with codeine or whatever that one is. Yeah. Oh, I've got a thing to share, so... Oh, my mum will hate me telling this story, but she has a good view on it. My mum's got some interesting views, but this is a good one. So she's got endometriosis um, and 
So she was taking that like neurofen with the codeine or one of those, whatever it is, one of the stronger neurofens. And basically it's like behind the counter now. Oh. So you had to like go to the counter or you had to get a script for it. And she's like, this is ridiculous because it's a medication primarily used by women because women are the ones affected by like chronic pain, endometriosis, stuff like that. Yeah. But because it's being abused by a, minor- a small, small, small minority of people are like abusing endonocodine or whatever, it's now like punishing women. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so true. Like these pain medications are like, so like, she's got to go through this process of going to GPs who have like basically accused her of being a drug addict. Oh my God. And it's just, yeah. So it's horrible. Like there's so much lack of information. Yeah. That's so, it's so bad. Like it's just classic sexism in the medical industry. Absolutely. Just assuming that like this lady is a drug addict for wanting stronger pain medication. Yeah. Like, no, there's just such a little understanding. Yeah. But, um, yeah, of, like, birth control and menstruation and shit like that. Mm. I guess kind of on that vein, not really, though. <laughs> um, a different thing to consider, I guess, in terms of birth control is if you're in a relationship, like, who pays for it? And also, I guess, like, the mental load of thinking about birth control in relationships. So predominantly this is in, like, heterosexual relationships because – a lot of women in heterosexual relationships would be on birth control to stop them from getting pregnant. Um, so yeah, I find interesting. Um, what do you and your partner do, Rach? Uh, so my view on this is I would only ever pay for the pill for myself. And that's because of the reason I take it, which is for my like health and like not having fucked up periods. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, I would not get someone else to pay for that because if I was not in a relationship, I would still take this medication. For me, it's like 80% to do with that and 20% to do with contraception. It's yeah. not really a huge factor. Um, also, it's like really cheap. It's like eight bucks and they'll be like, what, transfer me $8. <laughs> Um, but that's me and maybe it would be different if I didn't take it for health reasons or if I was doing like a more invasive procedure. But even if I was like getting an IUD and my partner was fully paying for it, I still couldn't, I couldn't have something inserted in me like that. I'd be like so anxious. Yeah. And apparently it hurts like a bitch. (laughs) Yes. I also hate pain and have a terrible pain tolerance. So Maybe my periods aren't even that bad. And I'm just a wuss. <laughs> no, don't invalidate your pain, Rachel. <laughs> no, it was definitely pretty bad. But, yeah, it was like 10 years ago now. Um, so for me, I don't see it as a relationship thing. But, yeah, definitely the mental load stuff is funny because it's like, you know, you have to take it every day and the other, like your male partner doesn't. But then I suppose that's just the mental load of, like, having a health condition. Like, any woman in any sort of, like, sexual relationship would have to, or no, no relationship would have to manage that. It's, like, that's, I think, I don't know if that's a relationship issue or just, like, more of a female issue. 
Well, I guess it's like in heteronormative relationships, I feel like, well, like, obviously you can do it so that the woman isn't the one in charge of the contraceptive. Obviously, you could just use condoms. Um, but, like, I think obviously the stats show that most women use contraception um, of some sort. So I think it's also like that, the thing of just having to, like, make sure you, like, take your pill every day or whatever or, you know, you have to go through the pain of getting the IUD inserted, whereas a man, like, doesn't have to like consider that or like think about that like at all like they just like oh it's taken care of by the woman so like they don't even have to yeah think about it in any capacity Mm, yeah and I suppose it does reply the relationships because like if you're sleeping with someone you should be who you don't know you should always use condoms because of like the pill doesn't stop STIs or anything Mm. right yeah exactly so in my mind they're kind of separate issues but but yeah, it's tricky yeah. Like, yeah you're right like I probably would still take well I did I did I did take the pill when I was single um and now I'm in a relationship um it that hasn't changed but I make my partner pay for half of my pill really yeah like I think it's fair I'm like I I like if I wasn't in a relationship I probably would go off the pill for like longer amounts of time I would say um just because, like, to not be on it all the time, I guess. Um, and I know it's not that expensive. Mine costs, like, the price has definitely gone up. But it's, like, $16 for, like, three or four months supply. So he doesn't pay me in cash. He just shout like, he just buys me the next two coffees and we go have a coffee. So it's not, like, a, a physical thing where, like, I, I make him transfer me or anything. But it is, like, a I want, I want, I feel like it's my way of making sure I'm just not the one carrying the mental load to be, like, in a, in a way, in a way, like it's obviously a really small way, but like once every four months, I'm like, you're you owe me two coffees because <laughs> I have to have my birth control. Like I just think he wouldn't think about it otherwise, you know. Like he just wouldn't like, mm. unless I'm like sometimes I'm like, oh shit, like I forgot to take the pill today or whatever, and then he'll be like, you know, then he's like, oh crap, like go home and take it. <laughs> but you know, aside from that, like he just doesn't really think about it unless I bring it up. So. In the relationship, I'm saying I pay for it. It's my issue. But then now I'm thinking about it. If I went off it, it would be my partner's issue. Yeah, because you'd have to be probably pregnant. <laughs> well, I don't know. You don't just, like, have sex once and get pregnant, right? No, I know. But, like, obviously there's a risk there. <laughs> and then if you do, that's a big cost. All right. Well, I guess now on to some kind of, like, uh, some of our recommendations ar- around this issue of birth control. Um, yeah, Rach, what, what are your kind of, yeah, recommendations? Yeah, so we've talked about, like, GPs being really annoying, which I've definitely experienced. Like, you seem to, like, shop around and find a GP who actually listens to you. I probably – I've never really had, like, a good male GP necessarily. I always go I know, to GPs. Of, yeah, I've got a bit of a thing about male GPs. Um, I, I, I have had better experiences at, like, the private GPs. And I know they don't do a bit bog field anymore, but, like, I feel like if you're paying more, you'll get better service, I've just found. Well, they've have, have had some nice ones, but yeah, just find one you click with to talk about such a personal issue. Um, yeah, I also think like you need to be patient with any medication or any sort of if you're trying something different, it's not going to work overnight. Um, and then yeah, when you're dealing with that frustration of trying a new birth control, just like talk about your feelings and frustrations, but maybe don't necessarily go to your friends for like actual advice. Because everyone's body is so different. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I feel like 
yeah, recommendations on this issue is, is tricky because I feel like birth control can be a really frustrating process, like in terms of like when you like first got on it, trying to figure out what works, like, and if something doesn't work, then yeah, like there, there, there's not a lot you can do. Like there's limited options for birth control. And yeah, like you said, it's a bit of like trial and error, I guess, when you're younger. Um, but yeah, I think taking away the stigma though is really important. Like talking about with your friends, like especially your like male friends, your friends who don't have a uterus, like, yeah, like making, like destigmatizing it. Like, you know, just talking openly about periods and your experience with birth control and if you have bad experiences and stuff like that. Cause I feel like hearing from other people can like, like obviously it helps you like learn. And I also feel like you should talk about it around men more often because they just don't think about this stuff. And I think that they should have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think most men with girlfriends are pretty understanding because they like spend all the time with a woman who probably, you know, have to deal with their bodily functions, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so I talk about it with guys. I don't really care. That's all yeah. good. Yeah. No, same. I think. And yeah. And now onto some general recommendations to distract you from your quarter life crisis. Ruby, what are yours? So I have two this week. Um, a podcast. Um, it's called Land of the Giants. Um, I think it has. It's got like mini series within the podcast, so they'll have like five to eight episodes on a certain topic, and then they'll just do a new one next or whatever. Um, so I think I, I've only listened to this one series, but they've done a whole like a series of episodes about meta. So like Facebook and Instagram and kind of like information behind that, like how Facebook kind of has like lost its momentum and like it isn't as popular anymore uh, about Instagram and the algorithm and them trying to keep up with like TikTok and stuff like that. Um, obviously this is kind of like relevant to like my work, but I also just generally find it interesting. So they've done a series on that, but also one of their little series they've done is like about dating apps, I think. So I kind of want to listen to that next. I think it's about like the history behind dating apps and like where they're going and things like that. So I don't know. I think, I think it's just like, and I like the, um, presenters on it as well. So yeah, I've listened to a few episodes so far and I'm enjoying it. So I would recommend that. Um, and then also my other recommendation is a docu-series I think that's what it's called right when it's like a documentary but it's a three-part like yeah episode thing um on Netflix um so it's called MH370 um that's that the Malaysian Airlines that went just disappeared like in 2000 and oh the plane that disappeared yeah yeah so um it's just a doco about that and I am kind of fascinated by plane crash things that sounds really messed up when I say that but I tend to I tend to be drawn to like documentaries and stuff about that. It's really bad. I think it like exacerbates anxiety within me about flying, but so I'm just self-perpetuating that anxiety. But anyway, it was like good. The first episode I didn't realize it was a docu-series, so I just thought it was like a mo- like a one documentary. But um the first episode was good. The last episode it definitely gets a bit more conspiracy theory. Like the people that they've got on it oh, have like no. some whack theories about what happened. Um, and you can't really tell in the first episode, like, how whack their theories are. But then at the end, you're like, oh, some of these people, like, yeah, have, like, some pretty crazy ideas. So, yeah, like, my, like, I was watching it with my partner. And, like, yeah, when we went to the third episode, he's like, nah, they've lost me. And he just, like, left and watched something else. He was like, nah, it's too, like, weird for me now. But I don't know. I still enjoyed it, even though it got weird, a bit weird towards the end. Uh, I think it's a it's a really interesting case. And, like, I just have no idea what happened to that plane still. Um, they like presented a bunch of different theories, but 
Anyway, that's my recommendations for the week. What are yours, Rach? That podcast sounds good. I just looked it up and it's from, like, The Cut. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, The Cut does some great stuff. Yeah, cool. I think I'll listen to that. My recs are I'm trying to get more into watching TV because I've been bored. Nice. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I watched the first few episodes of Daisy Jones and the Six on Amazon. Yeah, me which too. Which I – yeah, I listened to the audiobook. I didn't finish it though because I got bored. Really? So I was like, yeah, I I'm not the biggest fan of the Taylor Jenkins Reid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, I don't get why she's so popular, but I mean, I don't know, things can be popular. No offense if you like her. I have very weird book tastes. No, um, that's fair. Do you like the series though so far? Yeah, yeah, the TV series is done well. I think the like documentary style works much better visually yeah i like than, it yeah because listen because i listening to the audiobook and it's like quite a popular audiobook because it's got all these different voices narrating the oh. um the stuff and i just couldn't keep up i was like who i yeah I see, i'm surprised it's a popular audiobook because yeah the style of way that's written i feel like would be really hard to um yeah listen to but visually, it's yeah, really good. I I've only watched the first three episodes, but I'm really enjoying it. Well, that's all that's out at the moment. No, I think the next three are out every Friday. So I think there's three more out. I just haven't had time to watch them yet. Oh, I thought it was like the 23rd of March or something. Anyway, I think that's the last two. No, there's apparently there's 10 episodes in total. So there's there was three episodes released and three episodes last Friday, yeah. three episodes this Friday, and then two more the next Friday. Oh, I thought it was only three and three. There you go. Yeah, no, apparently it's 10. Well... Ah, well, it was it was good. Yeah, it, it was better than I expected. I watched them all in the three that were out in one hit. Um, Did you know the chick good. who plays Daisy is um Elvis's granddaughter? Yeah, I found that out. But she couldn't actually funny. sing. She had to learn to sing for this role. I'm like, that's crazy. Ah, she's pretty good. Yeah, for, like, she is. I like her. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other show I've been watching is Physical One Hundred, which is on netflix which is recommended on shameless it's basically they have you watched it no is it good yeah so it's a korean reality tv show it's kind of like squid games meets like survivor or something so basically they've got the 100 fittest people in korea so there's like lots of different people there's like olympians and bodybuilders and people from the army and they are competing in these challenges to see who is like the fittest person in Korea. <laughs> that's so. That's so really like yeah, it's fun. It's a bit silly. Some of the challenges and some of the people, like the bodybuilders and stuff. But um, it's good. There's some very good looking guys on there. And you're like, so I, I feel like I am kind of watching it a bit pervily. <laughs> um. But, yeah, no, it's good. It's entertaining. I haven't watched like reality shows in ages, so yeah. It's All right, I have to check it out because I do love myself a reality show, and I think some of the ones I'm watching right now are about to wrap up, so I'll need some something to fill the place. So that's a good rec. Thank you, Rach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's good. Um, thank you for listening to this latest episode of Quarter Life Crisis. Um, once again, if you made it to the end, we have a little uh end of episode. Spe- present for you um so just let us know if you finish the episode and we'll send you a free packet of the pill that's right if you've made it <laughs> to the end of this episode you receive free birth control 
I'll the send you code. Yeah, use the pill ten at the checkout. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, chaotic. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll be back in your ears again in a fortnight. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of which we have recorded this podcast on today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We want to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that this always was and it always will be Aboriginal land. Sovereignty was never ceded.